Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The great thing about hunting is that it's, it is for everybody. Um, it's accessible to everybody. Uh, there's just been things that have kept certain groups from approaching it. And so we are doing our best um, to break those notions down uh, and make it so that people, when they, when they hear hunting, they go, oh yeah, like my uncle does that or um, my cousin or brother or, or somebody they know does that and they go, oh, maybe I'll go give it a try. Since 1936, the National Wildlife Federation has worked with hunters and anglers to pass the most important conservation laws of American history and to protect our sporting traditions. This podcast explores our history, our values, and the work we do to safeguard the fish and wildlife that fuel our passions. We are NWF Outdoors. Howdy folks, this is Aaron. Welcome to the NWF Outdoors podcast. Today, I have Jimmy Flat with me. How's it going today, Jimmy? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad we got to have you on. Jimmy is the founder of Hunters of Color, a new organization that he has gotten going. Uh, I don't know. How, how long you been around, Jimmy? How long the new organization been around? Uh, well, we... We really started going around August, um, right at the beginning of archery elk season in Oregon. Um, so it's only been about six months so far, and we're we're picking up a lot of steam. And we're, according to the IRS, we're about thirty days away from figuring out if we're officially granted nonprofit status. Nice. Well, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more here. Um, I should introduce Jimmy first. Uh, as we, as we get going here and Jimmy, we always talk about, uh, what we're, what we've been doing outside. So you can start planning on, uh, you know, <laughs> what you want to say there. You've had some fun lately, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Um, but Jimmy was born and raised in the Sonoma Valley of California. He has a, an ex-military dad who brought him up around guns and, and that kind of thing. And he went hunting first when he was eight. Got his first deer when he was 12, which is pretty awesome. Um, he's primarily hunted for upland and waterfowl and things like that around where he lives in Oregon. And then he, uh, you know, he moved to, to Oregon after high school and he's, he's a, me- a mechanical engineer. So awesome background. Uh, maybe we'll talk about your engineering work a little bit too. Um, that's pretty fascinating. And now he recently started this group, Hunters of Color. 
And so we'll get into that a little bit here. Uh, but thanks for joining us, Jimmy, and, and we're really glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me and taking the time to hear what Hunters of Color is all about. For sure. Uh, well, let's start with what we've been doing outside. Give me a little rundown of what you've been up to. Uh, well, last week I was in Leavenworth, Washington, um, just checking out the Bavarian town that's up there. Um, more recently, I've been doing a lot of hiking. Um, the waterfowl season just ended in Oregon. Um, so now I'm, I have to fill in my time with something else. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I haven't done too much outside. My, my bow got a, or my boy, my bow, my boy got a bow recently, uh, and, uh, took him out to a local archery range and he's getting amped up. We're starting to do the tag thing. Look for tags. We've already got him in for for a Wyoming elk this year, and we're starting to gear up for a Colorado draw. But uh, a little bit of skiing, a little bit of hiking, not too much. Kind of a lull, lull this time of year in in hunting and fishing activities. But uh, we'll be getting going here soon. Uh, well, with that, Jimmy, let's just talk a little bit about uh, hunters of color. Maybe just give me a little bit of the origin story. You know your personal background, how this kind of led you to this and, uh, you know, your title, you're obviously the founder. You made this happen. Just, just give me a little background. Yeah. So, um, born and raised in the heart of wine country here in California. And, um, as I was growing up, an observation that I had whenever I was hunting was, Oh, wow. I'm the only, only brown person out here. I'm the only Hispanic person out here. Um, and uh that kind of that trend continued until like my college days where i realized everybody that i was hunting with everybody who i'd come across out in national forest was no one really looked like me and so um, this observation led me to want to reach out to originally my thought was i wanted to reach out to inner city youth to try to get them out to the, the outdoors and um kind of show them how uh freeing the woods could be and and how amazing hunting is um but then it wasn't until i read an article um by patrick durkin that kind of dove into the statistics of the demographics of hunting and Basically, the, the article said that 96% of all hunters were white, um, leaving only 4% for other other people of color. And so at that point, I was like, well, my my observation that I had for the last I don't know, 18, 20 years of, of hunting, uh, there's actually some merit behind it. So then I dove into the source material that he he was citing and and found that yeah, the, the studies are, are accurate and 96% of licensed buyers across the country are white European descent. Um, and so that it was, it, I mean, it doesn't reflect what the demographics are of the United States. Um, and it's also a shame because uh, in by the year 2044, uh, the U.S. Census says that the United States will be a majority minority people. Um, so that being said, 
if current trends continue, uh, the model of conservation that we have in North America will probably change because you just won't have that uh, that many people buying tags, buying licenses, uh, holding these fundraising events. Um, so, it, to me, I thought it was this is this is my opportunity to make a change in the outdoors and make a change for the community that I love, that I grew up around. Um, and this is how we do it. We're going to focus on people of color um, and try to get them out into the woods and uh, get them out hunting and instill that passion that was instilled in me when I was eight years old. I love it. Yeah. And we certainly need to adapt to a lot of different things, right? Like some of the, some of the stuff in the hunting and fishing world, you know, worked 30, 40, 50 years ago or whatnot, but doesn't work now. Um, you know, you've been involved, your, your organization's been involved a little bit with Artemis too, kind of in the same vein, right? Like different people who haven't always gotten enough credit or enough, you know, spotlight, I guess, on, on the activities they're doing, getting them out and, and, you know, highlighting and amplifying some of those voices. And I love it because, you know, I, I, there's no shortage of, when I hear people talk about their love of hunting or fishing or being outdoors, it's just kind of can't get enough. Right. And it's always neat to hear new stories and about new and different stories and different people experiencing this. So I appreciate what you're doing. And why don't you just tell us kind of how hunters of color came to be? I mean, you kind of told us here's the situation, but how did you decide, okay, I'm going to take the dive. That's a big dive to start a nonprofit. We know it's a ton of work, you know, we know, you know, you took a leap. So talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, it actually, <clears throat> it wasn't me who, who jumped off the cliff. <laughs> it was, uh, <clears throat> my girlfriend, uh, also co-founder. She, she was like, stop talking about it and just do it. <laughs> and I came back from work one day and, uh, I was getting ready for a hunt and she was like, Hey, look at what I bought you. And so she bought me the the domain name for Hunters of Color, um, which is it's currently a .com, but we'll change over to an organization pretty soon. Um, but so she she was like, "Here you go, it's yours now. So do it with do uh, with it what you please." And um, I was like, "Well, stuck then, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's mine now. So I got to do something with it." And uh, so we started a Instagram page, um, kind of just highlighted uh, what we're trying to do. Uh, made some good connections in the very beginning, uh, and then our following quickly grew because we realized that <clears throat> we are really the only organization right now that is focusing on people of color in the outdoor community and and focusing on that demographic. So, um, we, we kind of got in early, um, and right now we're making a lot of progress. And at first I thought, Oh, let's just make a, a shirt company. Um, and people will start seeing like hunters of color and they'll start asking questions. Um, and then the, these questions will be, well, conversations will be had around this t-shirt. But then I, I, kept thinking to myself, well, no, there needs to be more done than just a t-shirt. Um, like true outreach needs to be done, um, 
funding needs to be procured so that we can actually like, get people out and on hunts. Um, and so that's when I realized we needed to go the nonprofit route and just go full board into making this kind of a new Artemis, um, uh, a, a nonprofit organization that just focuses on uh, the three R's, uh, retention, revitalization, and recruitment for people of color. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we went full board and uh, I'm still working full time as an engineer, um, but on my my part time or like after work, I go home and sit down for a few hours and, and start hammering stuff out. So yeah, we're, we're making good progress. And, um, last night we had a, we had a meeting with BHA, uh, the nature conservancy and the national deer association. And, uh, we're going to be putting on a, a hunt here this year, um, based out of New York. And hopefully that program will spread across the country after this successful event. Awesome. Planting some nice seeds there to get this thing growing. I like it. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about your mission and kind of what, what you hope to accomplish. And I mean, I think there's the obvious one, right? Kind of get more folks out and, and get, you know, more, I, I don't know if it's the right way to, you know, kind of make folks feel like it's a normal thing to do. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's always a kind of a odd way to kind of explain it. It seems intuitive to me that any odd folks would, would love to get out and hunt and, and do that. And maybe if it's just not kind of normalized within those communities and it's harder to do, but I think, you know, it seems like a lot of what needs to be done and you're doing, but what else, you know, is your mission? What do you hope to accomplish? Well, so we're, our primary goal is to break down the barriers to entry into hunting. Um, I mean, there's, there's the definite financial barrier to entry. Um, there's, um, there's social barriers, um, some that mo some people don't understand. Um, and we, we are just trying to do our best to really break those down and make, make hunting a, an approachable, uh, recreational activity for people who haven't been in the community or in the, uh, I guess, in hunting for they've been forgotten about in hunting for a long time so um our, our goal is to educate uh a lot of people and we're doing that through posts um we're also going to be doing a bunch of uh we're creating a news newsletter um to be going out to people who sign up to be on our newsletter um a lot of anti-racist themes are going on um within our training uh, where we want people to really understand what it means to be an anti-racist, uh, to understand where um, some of these notions of uh, some of these barriers to entry, we want, want, we want people to understand where they come from, um, the historical sense primarily, um, and then also like how can you help now. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing. Our mission is to, I mean, ideally get the demographics of hunting to where the demographics of the United States are. Um, right now we have a long way to go. Um, and the great thing about hunting is that it's, it is for everybody. Um, it's accessible to everybody. Um, there's just been things that have kept certain groups from approaching it. 
And so we are doing our best um, to break those notions down uh, and make it so that people, when they when they hear hunting, they go, oh yeah, like my uncle does that or um, my cousin or brother or, or somebody they know does that and they go, oh, maybe I'll go give it a try. Um, and so right now, that's one of our main focuses, just getting people out, um, giving them exposure. Uh, success is, is one big thing and also um, just feeling comfortable and knowing that you're you're welcome and you're you sh you belong here and uh this is built for you so uh yeah that's our mission our mission is to our mission is to eventually not exist <laughs> uh hopefully demographics <laughs> come to a point where hunters color there's no more purpose for hunters color um but i guess that's that's the same thing with all nonprofits, right yeah we say that about artemis too right like we're we don't have to kind of pull women out into a separate category or anything like that. They're just right there in the middle of the community and it's obvious as pie and we don't have to worry about some of that stuff. Uh, I, I like it, Jimmy. And, you know, I think it's interesting because there's always these conversations about, you know, the barriers and, and all these social things. And, you know, usually you have to have somebody who you know and trust to kind of get you into hunting. You know, there's, there's ignorance to it too, right? Like so many people are like, oh, I would never hunt. And they're over there like, eating a cheeseburger right from some <laughs> farm and they're and they're like bothered by the killing but you know it, it for one it's it's you know any hunter can tell you any good ethical hunter would tell you you know nobody likes the killing everybody likes the hunting and the killing just imparts this deep appreciation and when you see you know a life taken and then you take it home and eat it every time you eat it it's just a whole different ball game than any other kind of food you know when I was a, when my kids were little tiny kids, you know, we used to actually float the river, um, right below where I would go hunt elk. And I would tell them, you know, up there, that's where the elk came from. That's where the food came from, you know, and, uh, just, they could imagine it in themselves. And I would try to kind of have them give thanks when we were eating it about, you know, remember right up there, that elk was wandering around drinking out of those streams that flowed right into that river. And, you know, that connection, I think all humans just naturally love that when they finally get it, you know, uh, that's something that I, I, I just, it's one of the barriers, but once you hit it, it's like an aha moment. And I just love seeing that in people. Yeah. Hunting, uh, it runs deep. Um, every, every culture, um, in history hunted, um, before the, the agrarian kind of lifestyle that we, we live now where, um, you can just go to the grocery store and pick up a nicely wrapped piece of meat. Um, before that, you had to go out and uh, procure your meat yourself. Um, and so it's there's this deep connection that we all have, uh, hunters especially, to what we eat. Um, I think a lot of the, the anti-hunting um, uh, rhetoric comes from a place of ignorance um, but a place of, uh, like they're, they're coming from a place of caring too. Like they want, they want, um, ethical treatment of animals. Um, and, and yeah. so do hunters. Um, I, the one thing I harp on, especially when I'm trying to teach new people is like, you want the death to be as clean and as ethical as possible. You don't want any suffering. Um, and 
for the most part, hunters achieve that. And, uh, yeah. And then when you do finally procure your meat and you go through these roller coaster of emotions, it's kind of ingrained in you. Um, and you take that trophy, um, with you, whether it's a set of antlers or a picture, um, and you feed your family with it and, uh, you, you continue on your life knowing that something gave you life and you respect them and cherish them for forever. Um, I'll remember, I remember almost every single one of my, my kills and, um, and yeah, every, every meal that I sit around with wild game is just a different experience. Uh, it's, you're deeply connected to where that food came from. Yeah. I love telling my kid, you know, you're connected to every human who ever walked the earth when you hunt, um, because we've always done that, you know, it's only a, a new, it's a recent construct where, you know, very recent where we haven't done that. Um, but you're right. I think some of my most fascinating conversations are with, you know, vegans, vegetarians. I, I think it's just a, it's just an un, unreal kind of a conversation, but really gratifying too, because they care, you know, and, 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 and I care. So we find a lot of common ground, interestingly, but there's just that sharp divide. Actually in graduate school, I took a, an animal rights course just specifically to try and understand and learn this. And it was like six or seven people in total in the course. And uh, I was the only one who was a hunter and there was one other one who would eat wild meat, but no other meat. Everybody else was a vegan or a vegetarian. And man, I had some interesting conversations. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade those um, for the world because there's just so much fascinating way that people look at this, but we're kind of drifting off course, but yeah. I, I like I like the conversation and it's, it's a cool, it's a cool subject. So it's not, it's not hard to talk about, but let's get, let's get back to, a little bit more of kind of what, what HOC is doing and, um, some of your goals, you talked a little bit about the mission and some of the goals. Do you have specific conservation, uh, items you're advocating for? And I know you, you, you mentioned to me a little bit about the outdoor pledge and some of these other things, elaborate a little bit on, you know, what you want to do in the conservation space. Yeah. So, um, I think we haven't decided this yet. Um, but once, funding starts rolling in, I think we're going to do the, uh, 2% for conservation, um, on an organizational level. Um, and then, uh, we, I mean, the, the primary focus is to get people into hunting so that they care. Um, if I were never introduced to hunting, I never would have joined the Ducks Unlimited, uh, branch or chapter in, in California and in Oregon. Um, and I mean, Ducks Unlimited has done some incredible fundraising work and has conserved a massive amount of acres. And so, um, yeah, if I was never introduced to hunting, I would have never gotten into that and never spent my time trying to give back. Um, and so our primary, uh, conservation method is just to get people out and caring about the outdoors and and the resource that we have. Um, beyond that, there is a um, an outdoor pledge uh, that a lot of these uh, CEOs have have made to diversity and inclusion um, for it's primarily in outdoor outdoor industries. Um, and we want to we're going to be we're thinking about creating like a cert a certificate <laughs> a way to certify these companies um 
uh, based on their uh, willingness to help and their anti-racist uh, trainings. And, and uh, so we're, that's kind of down the road, but uh, ideally we, we can certify these companies as, yeah, they're helping the cause. They're helping people of color get out into the woods and they're helping the mission. Um, and do you mean like hunting companies or are you talking about broad? Cause I know, you know, the outdoor industry association type groups, more like the, you know, the gear and the, you know, textiles and all, all the kind of like people who make rain jackets and, you know, trekking poles and all that in the outdoor industry have done this. I'm not aware of the hunting industry kind of having something similar. Yeah. It's primarily focused on hunting. Um, so like Cabela's, um, they do have a, well, now they're owned by Bass Pro Shop, but they do have a yeah. diversity and inclusion statement. Um, but so for instance, for example, we would reach out to them and, and ask what they're actually doing to uphold their, um, their promises. And, and uh, that's something down the road that we've thought about doing. Um, I think it would be kind of cool to see our logo, like Hawk certified. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, primarily it's just getting, getting people out there and uh, bringing new voices and opinions to the table that haven't been heard for a long time. Good. I like that Hawk too. That kind of is a good, you know, always got to find a kind of catchy, catchy nickname. That one works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, good. I mean, you know, I, I think I want to ask you from your opinion, you know, what do people out there that don't really understand this issue, what do they need to know about some of the roadblocks facing, you know, people of color when it comes to getting outdoors, what's the most important things people ought to understand when they're kind of trying to digest a lot of these new movements pushing into this, into this area? Um, well, so it's, it's funny whenever I have this conversation with, um, with people of color, uh, who have managed to make it into the outdoor outdoors and hunt and enjoy it as much as I do. Uh, whenever we talk about the barriers, they, they're like, Oh yeah, we understand. Like no doubt that they exist. Um, and, uh, and it, it pretty much boils down to an understanding of where, like where we've come from. So the historical standpoint, um, in this country is like, it, it all started with, the removal of Native Americans from their ancestral hunting grounds. Um, so if you start there, then you move on to um, the three or 400 years of slavery that, that were here in the South and, and, um, and then the, the laws that came after those that, that excluded people of color from public parks, um, public pools, um, all these places that, a lot of people think are, have always been open. Um, and I always say, if you, you remove anybody from anything for one generation, it's really hard to get back into that thing. If no one teaches you, especially hunting, since it is such a, um, a generational thing where it's passed down from primarily for the, I mean, historically father to son, um, or from family member to family member. Um, but if you, if you get removed from that, you, I mean, you don't have access. Um, yeah, so yeah, point. historical standpoint, that's where, that's where it all started. 
Um, and then you, it, it probably turned into what it is now based off of, um, the, the idea that, oh, well, like my people don't do that. Like we don't do that. I hear that all the time from, from my friends, uh, especially growing up here in Sonoma Valley. It was like, oh, that's, that's a white, a white man's sport. Like, uh, my best friend, he's like, oh yeah, Mexicans don't do that here in California. And it was a shame because his dad, uh, an immigrant, uh, always told the stories about when he was a kid growing up in Mexico, he'd go out into the the mountains and get, um, sheep and, uh, and turkey and, uh, coos deer. Um, and so like, I was always fascinated and interested in his stories. Uh, but it, it never traveled over when he, he made his, um, when he immigrated to the, uh, the United States. Um, and so it was removed one generation, not even a generation, but half a generation from my best friend. And, and he was like, oh yeah, that's just something we don't do. Um, and now that I have Hunters of Color started, he's living in, uh, Las Vegas now. He's like, he's like, dude, I want to get out on an archery elk hunt in Northern Nevada. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's, let's plan a trip. Let's, uh, let's get you all set up with archery equipment. Um, but yeah, it just, sometimes it, it takes, um, there's this, yeah, there's this notion of it's not for us. And I I say it's BS. Um, I think it is for everybody. You just have to really be confident and know that it is made for you. And so, yeah, uh, well, that's one of the main barriers, um, there's a lot to it that we could dive into this for hours. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that there's something specific that, you know, someone out here going, you know, what, what, what can I be doing or what, you know, what advice would you give to people who, you know, want to be helpful, but maybe don't understand how, or, you know, give me just kind of some, some thoughts around that. That's, that's the one I struggle with more than anything, right? Like, everything seems so kind of politically charged and, you know, housed within so many social issues. It, you know, it's almost kind of a scary place. I think for some people, you know, like, man, where, where do I help or what do I do? Or am I making it worse? Or, you know, if you could try to unpack a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it all starts with the love for, for humanity. Um, and and kind of understanding where some people come from uh and also just letting that that passion that love for the outdoors ring through um the example that i use is is um like i didn't get into hunting because of my father my father was uh in the military uh and actually a game warden in camp pendleton in san diego or southern california but because of his experiences growing up and uh, out in Camp Pendleton and seeing kind of the worst sides or the bad sides of hunting because game wardens don't get called in when, when legal hunting's happening. Um, so he kind of turned away from it, never really brought me up until one of my best friend's fathers at the time was like, hey, you guys should come out for a duck hunt. Um, and so I was eight years old. I was in, um, a set of 
hand-me-down waders that were leaky. Um, we were out in the, the Tules of Central California. And um, when those ducks came in, it was that it was all over for me. I was this is like the passion was was this. I mean, the fuel was fire, stoked that that day, awesome. uh, or the fire was stoked, and um, yeah. and uh, but the passion really rang through because um, Paul. I'm actually going to be going to see them later today to thank them and and tell them where we're at with hunters of color. Um, but he, um, he was just like, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is like the passion behind it. And he, after they shot a couple of ducks, he, he let me hang on to the ducks and was like, these things are beautiful. And then he would told me, <clears throat> I think at that time he was telling me about the, the conservation story behind ducks too, where at one point they were, they were like, dwindling there's the populations were so low that um that seasons were stopped or closed uh and now they're back to a point where you can kill seven of them a day um and so at that point i was like well there's i mean i was eight years old so i didn't really fully understand everything i was going on but i just knew was this is something for me um and that passion rang through and it it pushed on to me and my dad and so next the next year I got my hunter safety done, um, got my first license. Uh, my dad took me out for, uh, turkey and, and duck. Um, and then when I could finally hunt big game when I was 12, I got my first deer. Um, and then this, the passion turned into, okay, I want to give back. So I volunteered for ducks unlimited. Um, yeah. So, um, what I say is let the passion run, uh, ring through and, and um i understand where the demographics that you're talking to come from um uh, do your own research uh, if you can um and also like don't be afraid to reach out to us too like if you need help navigating a certain topic or space um i mean we're, we're definitely willing to help um yeah so it's it's kind of it's a, there's no one answer for, for this. Um, there's many answers and it depends on who you're approaching, who you're, um, who you want to get out into hunting. And, um, yeah, it's a very nuanced thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, all, like so many things are now that are, you know, we're having more difficult all the time. It seems <laughs> in our country working through nuance, everything seems to be one way or the other. And that's the only way anyone can think of it. But Clearly, that's not how life really is. Um, this might be a good transition to Jimmy to talk a bit about your mentor program. You guys have started this deal with uh, help helping people get out, recruiting mentors. Talk about that a little. Yeah, so um, we have an application open on our website for um, mentors and mentees. Um, it's open. The mentorship program is open to anybody with experience and who has the desire to do some outreach to people of color and and wants to get people out into hunting um and so with that we are um we're doing some safety training with with our mentors making sure that um we know that these mentors are going to be safe ethical um 
understand our mission. Uh, along with that, we're going to be doing some some anti-racism training, and um, and it's really focused on kind of bridging that generational gap where um, if you have no one teaching you or kind of showing you the ropes, it's really hard to get into it. So um, that's the primary focus of the the mentorship program is just to have somebody that you can you can lean on for advice. So it could be as little as like helping me figure out how to buy an elk tag in the state of Colorado or, um, that's a two hour deal on its own. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or it could be as, um, involved as taking me on my first hiking trip. Some people are going to be at that point where they, they've never gone on a hike before. Um, and then get them to the point where they get their first pheasant. So, um, it's, I think it's a great program. Um, so far we have a lot of interest in it and we are going to be reaching out to these applicants very soon. Um, and for the mentees, it's, uh, it's open to, uh, it's open to anybody. Um, but we are going to be putting presidents on people of color, uh, when we do match people up. Um, but it's open for people with no experience, some experience, and or just looking for somebody to um, bounce ideas off of or um, just have a companion. Um, some people are just looking for a hunting buddy. Um, for instance, one of one of the guys who I met through Hunters of Color, who is actually a, a family friend of my girlfriend, um, this is, last year was his first year archery hunting. And he went out for one hunt by himself. Uh, it was his first time going on a hunt, an archery hunt by himself or yeah, by himself because he used to do it with, uh, with his grandfather and his grandfather passed away. Um, and he realized that he doesn't like solo hunting. And so, um, he reached out to me and, and I was like, well, my weekend's free. Let's go elk hunting. And, um, and so we actually found, we got on a, a herd and uh, couldn't pull the herd bull off, uh, but we had a great time and we're on the coastal range of Oregon, um, just having a blast and it, it was a great experience. And so, um, yeah, it could, it, it'll range for every mentee, um, the different level of support that they'll, they'll need, but um, it's one of our primary tools to break down the barriers to entry. I like it. And, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that offline too. I'm, I'm interested in it, but you know, want to see exactly what you're looking for and how that might work, but we'll also include links and, 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 you know, your, your social handles and all that when we, in the, in the notes and so on of the, the podcast, so folks can go learn more. Um, what's your, what's your favorite type of hunting, by the way, you've talked about ducks, you know, you probably got a lot of waterfowl out there in Oregon, you know, yeah. You, you, the elk you, you hunt you hunt the couple of different kinds of elk maybe out there huh you get two different opportunities yeah um so we have the rocky mountain in the east um and then we have the roosevelt in the west and uh we have blacktail deer and mule deer um actually we have three species of deer in oregon um, we also have whitetail in like the far eastern corner of the state um they're starting to starting to encroach on the mule deer population. But, um, yeah, there's a, 
it's Oregon's awesome. Um, if you're a resident, most of it's over the counter. Um, they just recently changed one of the archery tags um, to be draw only. But um, yeah, a lot of opportunity. Um, but my, I don't know. I I grew up, so it was it was all about access for me when I was growing up. Um, and here in Sonoma Valley, we're we're just at the the tip of the northern or the San Pablo Bay, which is part of the San Francisco Bay. Um, and so there's a lot of wetlands and estuaries and and public land that you can hunt. Um, and so waterfowl was the most accessible for me growing up. Uh, and then I I got lucky where one of my good friends and um, pretty much second family to me they own um it's like 300 and some odd acres just outside of town um where they have like a resident herd of turkey that's like 400 strong <laughs> um and uh they have extremely healthy blacktail populations on the property um and i pretty much had exclusive rights to hunt their property growing up um that'll help yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's all about access. So I primarily focused in on waterfowl and then came spring, come spring. It was, uh, it was all about Turkey. Um, and then fall it was all about deer. Um, and then I moved to Oregon, uh, and it took me a couple of years to really get into hunting, uh, in Oregon just because I was learning the new state. Um, didn't know anybody who hunted up there. Um, and then I finally, uh, finally met a guy who I had classes with, who was like, yeah, man, I, I've hunted around here before. Let, let's go out. Um, and so he kind of showed me the ropes of, uh, hunting in Oregon. And, uh, it was waterfowl because waterfowl is extremely accessible and in, in Oregon as well. Um, and then from there, I, I got my first elk tag uh, and still haven't been successful with elk, but, um, I, I chase them every year and it's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster of every year. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm obsessed with elk right now, um, just because of the pursuit, um, and also like the different terrains that you can chase them in, uh, here in the state of Oregon. Um, you could yeah. be in the coastal range where it's, it's, you can't see 10 feet in front of you because you're in like a fern jungle. Um, and then you go drive three hours East and you're in like Alpine country of the Cascades. Um, so yeah, it, it changes. Um, and it's, they're, they're an incredible species. So, um, that's pretty much what I'm obsessed with right now, but if it can be hunted, um, I'll be chasing it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, you you touched on something there too that I think is pretty you know poignant for this discussion, and that is access, right? I mean, you hear one of the number one reasons people leave hunting or that they don't start hunting is access, and I can imagine you know throughout the history of our country, one of the big issues with you know people of color trying to get in is not having access, perhaps you know, especially some so so much of our country is privately owned. So if you don't own land or you don't nobody or know somebody, then, you know, how, you, how are you going to get out there? You know, um, 
And I can imagine, you know, historically people of color not being the landowners either. That's another barrier um, yep. that probably still persists a decent amount today. And it kind of dawned on me with the access issue that everybody struggles with that. And if you live in a state that doesn't have a lot of public land or whatever, just yet another kind of thing to deal with. Yeah. Um, we're, we're lucky here out in the West where like I could drive an hour in any direction and find some public land. Um, some people don't have that luxury. Um, Texas is like 90, 98, yeah, 98 99. Yeah. Yeah. Public or privately held. Um, other States are, are pretty bad like that too. Um, the South and the, the East. Um, but yeah, the, we actually looked up this statistic yesterday. It's um, of all the privately held lands in the United States, uh, 98% of the acreage is owned by uh, white, white, or white men. Uh, and then uh, 96% of all the landowners are white. So um, it pretty much matches the the story that's told with the demographics too so land access is a huge thing for hunters of color um that's why we're we're partnering with the nature conservancy who owns millions of acres across the country um and uh luckily for us they've they've started to open up their or this discussion has started to open up their property to um groups like um hunters of color um the national deer rifle or the national deer association so um programs like that are going to help us a ton in achieving our mission um also having if i mean people if they open up their their gates to um to mentors and mentees uh, who are looking for a spot to hunt um, that'll help a ton, especially in states like Texas, where you literally have to have private land to hunt. Um, so yeah, um, access is a huge, huge deal. And, uh, it's something that we're, we're trying to tackle, um, along the way too. Yeah. It, I appreciate what you're doing there. That makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, connecting with people like TNC. That's a great idea. They have a lot of spot out there that kind of a lot of hidden spots too you don't even know and you're like wow that's a tnc property it's five thousand acres or something there's a lot yeah. of good stuff out there so what do you what do you see get, like give me a, a perfect vision hoc five ten years from now what's going down Ooh, um i see uh state chapters set up where uh events will be held to procure funds for certain events in that state. So sponsored hunts, um, guided hunts. Uh, that's one of the things that we're going to be, uh, focusing on once we get our nonprofit status is getting hunts donated. Um, uh, because having, having success is kind of one of the, I feel like it's one of the things that builds your confidence when you're getting into hunting. Um, if you have a successful hunt and, having a guide to help you be successful is going to be, uh, it'll be night and day compared to just going out into national forests and trying to make it like a DIY hunt. Um, 
So a lot of guided hunts, um, a lot of programs like we're, we're starting up with uh, uh, the Nature Conservancy. Hopefully we can, this will spread across the country where we, we have a program like this set up in every state that they own land. Um, and uh, yeah, I just see us growing and, and trying to, I mean, our goal this year is to get, uh, I think it's 50 new hunters out. And so what that means is hunters that are, that plan to go out for a second year, um, and have caught the bug. So, um, so that, that's our goal for the year. Um, and at year five, I, I would assume that our goal would probably be to get maybe 500 or, um, maybe even a thousand people out hunting for the first time or, or, um, maybe revitalizing some new hunters who stepped away a long time ago because of certain reasons. Um, so yeah, um, haven't really thought that far down the road. We got so much going on right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I see it growing and, um, we'll have this huge network of mentors set up across the country where, uh, if let's say somebody signs up to be a mentee and they're in Memphis, Tennessee, um, we'll have a group of hunters that are out of Memphis who are willing to, who are are trained and willing to to take out a new hunter and um, bring them out on a a turkey hunt or a waterfowl hunt, whatever, whatever they're comfortable with. And um, yeah, it's, this is just the beginning. So we'll see where it starts shaping into and um, hopefully it'll get to the point where, uh, we're making a substantial difference and changing the demographics of hunting around. Nice. How, how many places are you in right now? Are you seeing more than Oregon, a few more places and mentors there? Or yeah. Still- so, um, last time we checked, we had 26, uh, mentors set up and I think, uh, well not set up, but uh, app applicants, um, 26 in, I think it was, uh, 21 states. So, um, there's some gaps in where these mentors are, but, uh, our mentorship program was only released a couple weeks ago. Um, and and it's growing. Yeah. So, um, a lot in Oregon because that's just where we're based out of. Sure. Um, a few in California, uh, a lot in the, on the East coast. Um, and actually like four or five out of Denver have signed up. So hmm. Colorado seems like it's going to be, or at least the Denver area will be covered. Yeah, uh, I probably know some of those guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah. in Denver, but I know a lot of folks in Denver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the outreach has been amazing so far and the response to what we're doing has been, has been great. Um, I think everybody kind of maybe not fully understands, but at least, respects what we're trying to do. Um, and yeah, uh, the conversations are starting and that's, that's where it, where it all begins. So are these folks going to be like, you know, you, you, you're familiar with Artemis a little bit ambassador type of folks or strictly kind of hunting mentors or what's the, what's the vision for those super volunteers? Uh, we'll see. Um, I mean, everybody has different bandwidth, uh, and, 
uh, taking out new hunters is actually extremely rewarding. Um, for instance, the one the example that I like to use is uh, one of my buddies from from college. He was a he's a basketball player for Oregon State. Uh, that's where I went to school, Oregon State University. Um, <laughs> he's like seven seven one, just a monster of a man. And uh, hard, to, hard to hide in the woods, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard to get into a, a little pop up blind with him. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so he he was originally from uh, Montenegro, um, and his family grew up. I mean, they grew up hunting for pigs and um, and I think different types of waterfowl or upland, um, primarily pigs for him. But he he had this, um, he was uh, obsessed with Turkey. And so he was like, no one, no one ever will, no, well, no one has offered to take me. And I was like, well, come with me. We'll, we'll go and get you a Turkey. And so, um, we went out to this property. We, we crammed into a small pop-up blind with, you can imagine a seven foot, like 300 pound guy. <laughs> Bulging uh, out of the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh we actually didn't get anything to decoy that day but we knew that they were over this little rise and so we we poked our heads over and and he got his first turkey and uh he lit up like a like a kid <laughs> it's hilarious seeing i mean a, a grown man turn into a, a child <laughs> when he like the smile was from ear to ear um he was like did you see that and just so happy and uh on the the ride home he called like all of his family members he called all of his best friends and was like guess what i just did i got a turkey my first turkey ever um yeah so he uh, that's one of my experiences taking a new person out and uh it's just so rewarding when when it is successful and you see the smile on their face so that's yeah, a beautiful uh, cool thing to be part of for yeah, sure so the, the mentorship program, uh, I mean, the ideally these these mentors might even turn into volunteers who um, who want to run local chapters where they put on events. Uh, we haven't really worked through that uh, right now. It's just two of us running the, all this, so it's a lot of work to be done, and we're just chipping away every day. So, well, let's do some more talking about that too, Artemis. We've, we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out kind of that super volunteer mode. Uh, we have just put out a new round of applicants. We have, we had something like 44 before this new round. I think we're going to bring on about 15 more. So we'll be up in the 60 ish realm and we do some trainings and, you know, a lot of different things that, that set folks up for success. So we'll continue yeah. to talk and see if we can figure out what else might, might work there. Um, what do you want to leave me with? I think we're, we're closing in on our hour here. What do you, what do you want to tell folks? Um, well, check us out. Um, if you want to participate, there's multiple ways. Um, we do have a donation portal open uh, for uh, monetary things. And, and once we get our nonprofit status and we'll retroactively send you our, um, our tax rebate number. Um, that you can purchase gear. Uh, if you want to be a mentor, sign up to be a mentor. If you have hunting experience, if you know somebody who has always wanted to get into hunting, um, 
have them sign up to be a mentee. Um, yeah, just, I mean, stay tuned because we're working on some good stuff and um, we're growing quickly. Uh, we were one of our good friends who was approached by Born and Raised to be their new film guy, uh, turned them down knowing that we're looking for a film person. <laughs> so um, we might be having a, a YouTube channel starting up here pretty soon once he comes on board. Um, and I think what his primary goal is to, to do is to highlight what Hunter's Color is all about and our events that we are going to be holding. And, um, yeah, so stay tuned. And, uh, awesome, man. Uh, there's one last thing. Uh, just look sure. into the history of, of these barriers because, uh, I mean, I'm, not, I'm no expert. Um, I have to teach myself all the time too because um, I come from – a certain place of privilege that some people don't come from. And, um, and I just want to understand all the different nuances of where different people in this country come from. So, uh, I'm always educating myself and I definitely encourage everybody else to, to look into some of these, uh, these nuanced barriers. For sure. I think reaching out, connecting with people from, from different mindsets, different backgrounds is, it's critical right now, man. There's just so much divisiveness and we got to cut that stuff, man. We got to, we got to yeah. start being a community and taking care of one another. And, you know, thinking of our country like that. Yeah. Uh, love so, for humanity. Exactly. So love what you're doing, man. Appreciate you spending some time with us and, uh, you know, I'll continue to support y'all continue to promote what you're up to and, and we'll keep talking and figure out if there's other ways we can partner. Yeah. And, uh, We'll get we'll get all your links and stuff in the show notes, and uh, we'll we'll get you on again here in a couple of years when you're out there really really rocking and rolling, and you're and you don't you're not even an engineer anymore. You're just running this thing full time. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean that's the goal. I love engineering, but um, I love hunting more. <laughs> well, you're engineering a, a nice movement here, so good on you, and uh, I'll let you go, man, and and we'll see you here in the future. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Cheers. We are NWF Outdoors. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest. Me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.